Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to our continuing Christmas series. And so today we're looking at the journey to Bethlehem and the birth of Jesus. So we're going to start by reading some of the passages that um, we can find this story in Luke. So if you'd like to turn to your phones or iPads or whatever, or just read the screen. So Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. At that time... In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David, which Adam excellently explained and showed us last week. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Now, today we're looking at this fantastic journey, one of the most important journeys in the whole world. And I had the privilege when I was age 18 to go to Bethlehem. And so here I am standing in the fields of Bethlehem and I was expecting it to be green and luscious and hilly. And actually it was very arid and very dry and we saw a few scraggly little sheep. And this was another sign that I was not really expecting when we got off the coach. And so this wonderful place that we read of and we have all these images of Christmas cards, here we can see that things have changed and it really is kind of like a sign of our times. And so Bethlehem, here we see this journey that Mary and Joseph took 2,000 years ago from Jerusalem to Nazareth. And all the way, no, sorry, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So 70 miles. And this journey would have taken about three days. So poor Mary being heavily pregnant, having to travel on a donkey or a camel, or obviously not a car. And this long, arduous journey would have taken them three days. And so this census, this decree for a census of the entire Roman Empire, made it necessary for this journey to take place. They had to leave their hometown and journey a long way to this Judean village of Bethlehem. And so it's really not what you'd imagined our little pretty Christmas card images give us this kind of image, and actually it would have been tough. And so this census or registration was taken, obviously to aid military conscription, but also for tax purposes. So Jewish people didn't have to conscript into the Roman army to obviously join up, but they would not have been able to get away with paying their taxes. So this was necessary for the whole of this area, for everyone to return to their hometown so they could be registered, so then they knew, obviously, that the government would be able to sign up soldiers and for people to be paying taxes. So it was a very important journey, very necessary, and nobody could like not go. And so poor Mary, the timing wouldn't have been great. And so sometimes in our lives, do we find that we have to take a journey no matter what? The timing may be not the best, or it was difficult to make the journey. And sometimes in our lives, there are journeys we just have to make. 
And a couple of years ago, I can remember making a little journey. It was nothing like this, but it was just, it was a Christmas time, and a friend of mine had been um, taken ill and lived in Spain. He was an elderly guy, a friend of the family. And he was a non-Catholic practicing kind of chap. And over the years, we'd had some conversations, and he didn't speak any English. And so I was really saddened to hear that he had been taken ill, and this was going to be his last Christmas. And so I needed to make this journey, and it was like Boxing Day when I received this news, and there was no hotels open, and I was difficult to get flights, and I had to literally drop everything. But I was so determined to go and see my friend, to be able to have the opportunity to say goodbye, and also to pray with him to see whether he would accept Jesus into his life before he made his journey from this earth into the next. And so I booked the flight, and my daughter Naomi came with me, and we managed to get into a hotel, the only hotel on the kind of coastal area that was open during this Christmas period. And we made this journey as inconvenient and as difficult as it was. And we got to Barcelona Airport. We got in a taxi. We got in a, a train and we drove. And then we walked to the nursing home where he was. And we actually got to see him and pray with him. And it was so wonderful and such a precious journey and well worth every second. And um, in life, sometimes there are just journeys we just have to make. And life is a journey. It is full of ups and downs, twists and turns. And um, we can make our plans, but often God overlays them. When we consider Mary, she would have had her plans. Her life was going in a direction. She had been recently betrothed to Joseph, the local carpenter. And her life was probably just being set up at this young age to do what all or most Jewish ladies in those days would have done. And that was to be getting married and settling down into married life like most of her family and community at that time. But God had other plans. And angels don't usually make appointments, they just turn up. And so we see Mary, who was probably just going about her normal day-to-day life, and here we see her plans were about to change forever. And her life was now on a different journey, and she was going to ultimately be the reason that you and I are here today, tuning in at home, or traveling up and down that M4 in minus one and with frosty fields surrounding us to gather here at venue two and to come together because of this journey Mary's life was set upon. And so we are connected to these people 2,000 years later. And we can make our plans, but it is God that orders our steps. And in Proverbs 9 verse 16 verse 9, It talks about God's plans, or we can make our plans, but he orders the steps of those who love him. And God always has a bigger plan with an eternal perspective. And um, I don't know about you, has anybody got a sat-nav or a tom-tom because they're not very good at directions in their car? And so on this journey of life, it is good to have a plan, but it is always best to be open to God's plans. Like a tom-tom or a sat-nav, it's good to have a destination in mind. A few years ago, I was taking Adam's aunt and mum to Cowbridge on a ladies' little day out, and we were going to head up the M4. And having made this journey several times before, I was pretty confident to get there. But a few twists and turns and a few sort of A-roads, I was a little bit confused about which exit to turn off and I didn't want to end up in Timbuktu. So Adam set up the sat-nav for us to make sure we got there. And so he set the sat-nav and off we went, off the drive. And I'm used to the tom-tom with a, a pleasant voice and a, you know, a lady with an English accent. And so, you know, we can get to the destination. But Adam, in his humorous, naughty, cheeky little... Uh, 
we set the sat-nav to the voice of Yoda on full volume. And because I'm technically challenged, to say the least, I didn't know how to turn the volume down or change the settings. And so for the whole hour to Cardiff, we had the voice of Yoda blaring out, and at the next roundabout, take the U-turn, you two, whatever. And it was most annoying. And so, first of all, we need to program the sat-nav if we know how to, and type in where we are going so we don't get lost and end up in the wrong place. And in our lives, it's good to have a destination in mind. Where is my life going? Where do I want my life to go? Am I aligning my life with God's plans and purposes like Chloe talked about this morning? Or am I pulling away from God? Or am I kind of going in the other direction? Because I want this and I know God wants that, but actually I want this more. And sometimes in life we can be pulled and we can end up in a different destination than the one we have, uh, or God would like us to type in, so to speak. And so where do I want my life to go? Have I aligned those decisions and choices that I make every second of the day to line up to the destination and the things that God wants me to turn my hand to, my talents to, and my time to? And a sat-nav also plans a straight and direct course. But sometimes we get tempted to take a short route, or a shortcut, or a quicker way. Has anybody done this? The sat-nav is directing you, and you, you've got your destination in mind, your time, expected time of arrival is there, and all of a sudden, you, you are familiar, and you think, oh, I know a quicker route, or I know a, a, a faster way to get there, and often we can end up getting lost. And I know for myself, I have done this numerous times in the car, and have ended up in some ditches. And I also know that in life I have done this and I've ended up in some ditches. But the good thing is, the good news is that just like a satnav can kind of recalculate or recalibrate a journey for us and then put us back on the right road, Jesus does the same. And he says to us in Corinthians, Paul says that Jesus' grace is sufficient for us, that Jesus' power is made perfect in our weakness. And isn't that wonderful that even though in life we can sometimes be on a journey and we can go off course or we take the wrong turn or we are led into temptation or we pull against God or whatever, it is never too late and there is always a way with Jesus. And it's because of this most important journey that Mary and Joseph took, which then led to Jesus being born at the right place and at the right time. And that is why we can trust him with our life's journey. Now, in the Old Testament, it's filled with prophecies that this expected Messiah was going to be born from the royal line of David. And in Isaiah, it says this in verse 11, chapter, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. And there's a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament which kind of talk about this expected Messiah. And so Judah, the royal line of David, would be like a tree chopped down to a stump. But from that stump, a new shoot would grow. Jesus, the Messiah, he would be greater than the original tree and would bear much fruit. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise that a descendant of David would rule forever. Now, when we think of the Christmas story, we see not a great start in life, do we? This place of birth, a dark cave, for a king to be born, 
you know, the greatest ruler that ever lived will rule and reign the whole world one day, was born in these humble beginnings in a dark cave, as a birth chamber and an animal's feeding trough or manger, as a crib, like Chloe said this morning. But despite the popular scenes on Christmas cards, Jesus' birth surroundings were not exactly the place for the Jews to see the birth of their long-awaited and expected Messiah. They were probably expecting him to be born in stupendous surroundings, in royal surroundings, in complete luxury. But we cannot limit God by our expectations. And he is at work wherever he is needed in our dark and sad world. He is in us and he takes us sometimes into some of these dark places in our world with his light and his love and his forgiveness and his message of hope. And some um, scholars or some commentators comment on some of the imagery and some of the artist's impressions of this nativity scene. And we can see an ox and a donkey and the goats and the sheep and these animals kind of surrounding this king, this saviour, the Messiah, born in this humble setting. And a lot of people have said that an ox and a donkey in Jewish law were actually never to kind of plough in the same field. An ox was considered a kosher animal or a clean animal, and a donkey was considered an unkosher or a non-clean animal. And so they would never plough together in the same field. And some commentators say that this imagery here of the ox and the donkey looking on at the Messiah kind of symbolizes that Jesus came for the whole world and for all people, for Jews and for Gentiles. And so this is the message of hope. And this is the message that Jesus came to this earth for every single human being. And this is a wonderful message. It is the greatest gift, the gift of Christmas. And so this nativity picture of Jesus brings people together. And this is why we celebrate Christmas. And this is a wonderful wonderful opportunity for us in the coming weeks, even though it's going to be a lot different this year, to invite people on Zoom and to talk to people about the real meaning of Christmas. And so I want to encourage you in these next few weeks that we have in this little glimmer of sort of um, Christmas season where people are really open and by this year they're really open to hope and to know what it's all about and to see if there's a future and to see if there's anything after this life and to see if there's anything better than this world. And we have the answer, we have that light, we have that love in us that we can go and explain and communicate through our words and our actions to the people around us that Jesus was born at Christmas for them. It's not just a nice little story. And so although our first picture of Jesus is as a baby in a manger, it's not our last. The God-man, the little baby in the manger, tiny and helpless, grows and lives an amazing life, perfect and without sin, teaching the best way to live and handle life's challenges, healing those around him when all else has failed, standing up to the legalistic, religious strongholds of his day, empowering women because they weren't empowered 2,000 years ago. He loved the outcast, the marginalized and the hopeless and he set the greatest example in the world for us to live by and ultimately he gave his life for each and every one of us to have the Christmas gift, the best gift of all, eternal life, forgiveness from all those things we've done wrong, a restored relationship with the perfect God, peace in our hearts now and forever and hope. 
And so after a long journey, they couldn't even find a place to stay. When we do God's will, we are not guaranteed a comfortable life, but we are promised that everything, even our discomfort, will have meaning in God's plan. Our pain and suffering often sets us up to see God more at work than we think at the time. And every individual God used went through seasons of hardship. And our difficulties can prove to have purpose and move us closer to God, where we lean in more in times of challenge, where we trust a little more, where we have nothing else to trust but God with our very lives. And so we cannot leave this baby in the manger. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice little story, a lovely image. But this once helpless tiny baby who lived an amazing life, died for us, ascended into heaven, wants to be a part of our journey. He's going to come back to this earth to rule and reign over all kings, over all leaders, and he will ultimately judge this world. And so today, make sure you know him as your king and your leader, and more than anything, your heavenly loving father. And as Chloe was talking about love this morning, it really resonates with me sometimes that we kind of know about the love of God, but we don't actually live out of it. And when we have that revelation of the love of the love of God that he came as this baby to live a perfect life to die on the cross for all the things that we have done wrong to take all of those things away from us to give us a new start to set our life's journey on a new path that follows him lives for him and ultimately to have our life with him forever that is the greatest gift and that love is incredible. And sometimes we kind of live it because we know it, but we don't live out of it. And it can really affect how we live when we experience that lavish love of God in our lives. Sometimes when we don't feel loved ourselves, we kind of look for that love and affirmation in other places, or we look to people to give it to us. And really, those people can't give it to us or it's not their responsibility to give it to us. The only time we can feel that lavish love of God, that total acceptance and affirmation is by realizing and experiencing and inviting him into our lives and taking on his love and letting his love affect everything that we do. And so this once helpless baby wants to grow in our lives and be part of our life journey. And so I want to encourage you today that if you've never received Jesus as your kind of loving heavenly father and leader to guide you on life's journey, because let's face it, life's journey is hard and it does have its ups and downs and its twists and turns and nobody can say that that is not true. And yet with God, we can know, we can trust him, we can lean into him and all things work together for the good of those who love him. And so Emmanuel, God with us, the Christmas story, that was God coming to this earth because of the pure love that he has for every human being. God is with us. God is with us through that baby Jesus. And God is with us now, and he is with us in this season. And he wants to be part of those people in your life's journey too. And maybe he's going to lead you into some of those dark places to reach somebody this Christmas season. Maybe God is going to use you with his love and his light and his hope and his peace that you have to take that message to somebody in your family you may not have spoken to for years. 
or for that person in your work or in your uni or on your street because there are some lonely people out there without hope. And so this Christmas season, God is with us and God is with you. And so I want to encourage you as we move into these next few weeks to seize the opportunity and to trust in God as we move forward. So why don't we pray? Jesus, I thank you so much that you've come to this earth for each and every one of us. And the reason we are all here today tuning in at home and sitting here in this lovely venue is because you came as a baby, because you loved us. And thank you, Jesus, that you have rescued us from all that we could have been, all those wrong directions and turns we could have taken in our lives, you have rescued us from. And I thank you that you've put our lives on a new course and a new destination, and that is to live with you, for you, and ultimately with you forever. Help and encourage each one of us today, Lord, as we go into this season where we would have opportunities to communicate you and your love to those that we love. And Lord, we want to see these people rescued and saved and knowing you so that they can have peace and restoration forever in their hearts in these difficult days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.